الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد. So in the prior session, you may recall we talked about Imam Ghazali رحمه الله giving his student advice regarding four things that he should give up and just to briefly recap he had let's see if let's see if you all remember any any remember the first what were the four things the first thing was to argue good the second thing preaching preaching without practicing or just preaching and he talked specifically about the types of preaching and how if you do have to preach how you should do it uh, and then the third and fourth we actually kind of just briefly skimmed over uh, because it didn't directly apply to us. So now he mentions uh, four things that he says that he must do. Right? So he's telling a student that you must do these four things. <clears throat> so as for the four things which you must do, وَأَمَّا الْأَرْبَعَةُ الَّتِي يَنْبَغِي لَكَ أَنْ تَفْعَلَهَا فَالْأَوَّلُ أن تجعل معاملتك مع الله تعالى بحيث لو عامل معك بها عبدك بها عبدك ترضى بها منه ولا يضيق خاطرك عليه ولا ترضى والذي لا ترضى لنفسك من عبدك المجازي فلا ترضى أيضا لله تعالى وهو سيدك الحقيقي. So he says the first thing is that you should make your relations with Allah تعالى the exalted such that were a servant of yours to behave thus with you you would be content with him or her. And not weary of liking him or her, nor get angry. Whatever would dissatisfy you for your, for yourself on the part of this hypothetical servant of yours should dissatisfy you for for Allah the Exalted, uh, also for Allah the Exalted, and He is actually your Lord. So He's just highlighting here that um, one of the things that it's a practical thing that we should do, and I'm saying we because. I mean, we're trying to internalize this. This is not a narrative of a teacher talking to a student. This is uh, a teacher talking to a student, us listening and realizing that we're more in needy of this advice than the student is. So that we, when we want to determine, um, am I a true servant of Allah or a proper servant of Allah Ta'ala, then I ask myself the question, let's say I had a servant and I had some expectation from them that they would do X, Y, and Z things. You know, um, sometimes you have someone who's hired to clean the home or you have someone who's hired to, uh, let's say, mow the lawn, or do your landscaping, or change your roof, uh, and you say you're going to give them this much money, and uh, they don't fulfill that job, right? You have a certain level of expectation. Uh, and this is just for something that's monetary. And if they don't do it, we're up in arms. We wonder, how could you not do this? I, I provided you with you know, this much money. We agreed upon these terms, and yet you still failed to satisfy me in the way that I thought you know, we had agreed upon. Now imagine Allah Ta'ala has not given us money, He's given us life, an opportunity to live, an opportunity to earn Jannah. And all of these things has given us a heart to beat, lungs to breathe with, you know, just so many different ni'mas of Allah Ta'ala. Um, you know, imagine how we should be in our relationship with Him. So if we had a servant similarly, someone who cleans the home for instance, um, you know, if, if we want to gauge what our relationship with Allah Ta'ala is, well, how, how would we, what would we expect? You know, we would want things to be in a certain way. So that's what he mentions as the, the first thing. The next thing that he mentions. <clears throat> the second. So the first thing is that we should um, imagine uh, that we are, uh, how would we want our servant to deal with us? And this is how we should deal with Allah. Then he says, the second. وَالثَّانِي كُلَّمَا عَلِمْتَ بِالنَّاسِ أَجْعَلْ كُلَّمَا عَمِلْتَ 
بالناس جعله كما ترضى لنفسك منهم لأنه لا يكمل إيمان لا يكمل إيمان عبد حتى يحب لسائر الناس ما يحب لنفسه. The second is whenever you interact with people, deal with them as you would wish for yourself to be dealt with by dealt with by them. For a worshipper's faith is incomplete until he wants for other people what he wants for himself. You know, it's pretty incredible. Of all the advices he's given so far, many of them tie into how a person deals with others, right? And now this is advice to a student of his, and you would think that this would be about how to deepen your worship and how to increase your um, your ibadat, etc. But the focus, at least, this is the third time it's come up in these in this short section in these short sections about how we deal with people. Once Imam Ghazali mentions that don't have that um, be very mindful of who, uh, even dealing with your enemies. Right. Another time he mentioned uh, don't, are not arguing with people. And then here he's mentioning that you should deal with people as you wish yourself to be dealt with by them. Uh, meaning, however you would like to be treated, like do unto others as you'd like for yourself. Um, and this is based on a hadith of the Prophet When he says, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسي That you don't believe, you don't actually have complete belief. You, like, it's not possible. You can't just be deep in your connection with Allah Ta'ala and think that I'm a full, upright mu'min. That I have deep, strong belief in Allah and His Messenger Sallallahu That's not sufficient. There's far more to it. In particular, if you truly want to be a complete believer, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسي until you want for your brother or your sister as you would want for yourself. So he's, he's highlighting this hadith over here. And this is advice he's giving to Imam Ghazali rahimahullah. Um, so think about um, how you would like yourself, how you want others to deal with you and make that a guiding principle in your life. Um, so for, you know, and there's many examples of this. So if I, you know, I, I have this desire that I live comfortably and I make, you know, a certain income and that my kids go to school and in a good school district or maybe I'm paying private school tuition and you know, all of these things that I'm taking care of for myself and for my family. I mean, do I have that same type of desire for other Muslims that are around me? I mean, do I know what's happening within, for instance, my local community and are the needs of the families in the local community met? You know, what's the schooling situation for their kids? What cars are they driving? You know, what's their financial situation? What's their emotional and psychological situation? I mean, if I want to truly believe in as much as I want these things for myself, the sense of wellness and well-being for myself, physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual, then I should also want this for the people around me. And it doesn't just exist for our own small communities, like for instance, a community that we've created here. But this extends even to just the, the general Muslim ummah as a whole. If we don't make dua and, and have a concern for the, for the ummah as a whole, the Prophet wasallam, then there's something missing in our belief. And this is what he's highlighting here. Okay, the third um, is, um, he says, the third is, if you read or study knowledge, your knowledge must improve your heart and purge your ego. So he's talking to, again, a senior scholar, you can say, and he's saying from the perspective of, I've mastered all of the religious sciences and all the academic and intellectual sciences, and he's giving advice to us, if we are to read or study knowledge, meaning ilm of deen, that our knowledge should improve our heart and purge our ego. Just as if you learned that your whole life would only last another week, inevitably you would not spend it learning about law, ethics, jurisprudence, scholastic theology, and such like, because you would know that these sciences would be inadequate for you. 
Instead, you would occupy yourself with inspecting your heart, discerning the features of your personality, giving worldly attachments a wide berth, purging yourself of ugly traits, and you would occupy yourself in adoring Allah Ta'ala, the exalted, worshipping Him, and acquiring good qualities. So he's talking to a scholar here. So and bear in mind, maybe, you know, that for any of us that are studying deen in any way, shape, or form, it could be that we sit and follow a hadith once a week at our local masjid. It could be that we're enrolled in a particular class and we're formally studying deen. The purpose of deen is 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 to um, it, the purpose of deen is to become closer to Allah Taala of studying deen. That's our ultimate purpose. And sometimes we get caught up in this. You know, we're studying Arabic grammar, or, or let's say sarf, for instance, and all we're thinking is laraba, laraba, larabu, and we're just literally running this through our mind night and day, night and day. Or you're studying sarf, or you're studying hadith, and we lose sight of the biggest, bigger picture. We're just caught up in the trees, and we miss the forest. So what he's saying here is that it's important to remember that the whole purpose of anyone studying deen, the primary purpose, is to draw closer to Allah Ta'ala. So if you have, for instance, a limited window in which you are to study, make sure that you are studying those things that's, whose purpose is to help draw you closer to Allah Ta'ala because ultimately that's what matters most. So he says, And not a day or night passes for any worshiper without his death or her death being a possibility. Without his death or her death being a possibility. Now, we can apply this specifically here. He's talking to an advanced student of his who maybe has a few additional, you know, sciences to study. And he's saying, hold your horses for a moment, you know, make sure that you've, uh, make sure whatever you, whatever you are seeking in your knowledge, you're getting what you need to get from it. And that's attachment to Allah Ta'ala. But he's speaking to us as well that, look, we have a limited time. And if I was to tell you that you had only a week left to live, for instance, you know, how would that change your perspective? What would you do with your time? Uh, he says, you know, and not day or night passes for any worshiper without his death during it being a possibility. I mean, there's a true possibility that we could meet death at any given point in time. And it could happen any night. It can happen, you know, tonight, right? It's, it's very possible. You know, in the, in the world, around 150,000 people die every single day. So, so between now and tomorrow evening... 150,000, 150 to 175,000 people pass away every day. And a majority of them don't think they're actually going to pass away tonight. They don't know. You know, we don't know. And it's only that, you know, that moment of realization comes once our soul is taken away from our body. And then afterward, we're like, oh my gosh. And then we're thinking like, hold on, hold on. Take me back. Give me a few more minutes. Let me say bye to my family. Let me, you know, make amends with the people that I've harmed, etc., etc. Those people, the 150,000 people, you know, between now and tomorrow, didn't get that opportunity. And that's, that very possibly could be us. Every hour in the world, roughly 7,500 people die every single hour. 7,500 people. From now until we pray Maghrib, another 7,500 lives will be lost. And they didn't, they didn't know it was coming. I mean, and, and we won't know it's coming either. Most of us won't know. And so when he's saying it's a real possibility, it is. You know, it's, it's not just a statistic that we can, you know, speak about. It's a real possibility. And many of us know people that have passed away at a very young age. So he's mentioning here that, you know, if you're going to pursue these advanced sciences of deen, and for in our case, let's say we're going to advance ourselves. For the most part, most of us aren't studying advanced deen, but we're, we're unfortunately, we're wasting our lives in other ways. He's reminding us that, you know, there's... It's a very real possibility that today's your last day and that this next Salah is your last Salah and the, the ne these next few moments are your last few moments. It's a very real possibility. So he continues. So he makes that's the third piece of advice. He says, okay, so Ayyuhal Walad, 
اسمع مني كلاما اخر وتفكر فيه حتى تجد خلاصا he says oh student or ايها الولد listen to another statement from me and think about it to find salvation okay he says listen to another statement from me so this is he's this is a bit tangential but it ties in it's an extension of the point he just mentioned which is true study of knowledge is knowledge that draws people closer to allah not knowledge that's there for entertainment or for just pure advancement purposes listen to another statement from me and think about it to find salvation if you were notified that the ruler were coming to you on a visit in a week's time I know that during this period you would be occupied with nothing but putting in order what you knew his glance would fall on of your clothing, your person, house, furnishings, and so on. Then he says, Now think of, think at, think what it is I am hinting at, for you are intelligent. A single word is enough for someone clever. This is his style of writing. Right? He's saying like, I'm giving you the example. I'm, I don't need to explain it any further. This should just make perfect sense to you. Right? I don't need to go any further. That if a ruler, the ruler were to come to your house, uh, and he was supposed, to, he was to come to your house in a week, uh, think about you know how you would be occupied with. You'd be worried about what you were wearing and what the house would look like, and what um, you know ornaments were set up uh, and arranged, and what the you know what the painting on the wall looked like, and how the furniture was arranged, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You wouldn't just leave your house a mess. You wouldn't just ignore um, you know the, for instance the filth that's contained within it. So he says, a single word is enough for someone clever. Again, highlighting this notion that we don't know how much time we have left. But if I was to tell you that you are going to meet Allah in one week, how would that change your perspective? Right? If I was to tell you, he's saying, if I was to tell you that this is your last week to live, and it's a real possibility because 150,000 every day times seven, that's nearly a million people in a week are going to pass away and it's the next week. He's saying, if I was to tell you actually have one week to live, how would that change you? And what would that do to you? What effect would it have on you? The Messenger of Allah, he says, The Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, Now, again, he's extending this, this whole timeline he's mentioning, that Allah will not look upon your forms nor upon your deeds, but he will look into your hearts and to your intentions. It's a very powerful hadith when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna Allah la yanzuru ila suwarikum, um, uh, uh, Inna Allah la yanzuru ila suwarikum, um, that uh, the Prophet said in a hadith that you know that Allah Taala won't look at our skin color. Um, uh, yeah, in the, another hadith, Allah Taala doesn't look at your outward appearance, whether your skin color is red or your skin color is black, or if you're um, you know if you're from a certain background or a certain nationality or your outward appearances, etc. We will be judged based upon what's within our hearts and what's, what intentions and, and, and deeds we perform. That's what, that's what the basis is, right? And so he's mentioning here that, um, so let, let's continue, he says, because um, it all ties in. If you want the science of, uh, so, what he, okay, so what he's saying is that, um, this is, that Allah, if we know that we have to meet Allah Ta'ala in a week, just like if a ruler was to come, we would be worried if the ruler were to come. Let's say the president calls up and says, hey, Zaid, I'm coming to your house in a week. Um, I just want to hang out. You know, what would you do? What, what sort of preparations would you make? Now, extend that. If Allah Ta'ala told us, right? He just inspired us and told us that, you know what? You're going to meet me in a week. What sort of preparation would you make? <laughs> Imagine that circumstance. 
So he's saying, and then he's reminding us that, look, Allah Ta'ala doesn't care about your outward. You have a week to prepare. You don't have to worry about how great your clothes are and what car you're driving. And did you purchase that 4,000 square foot dream home that you were thinking of? And I mean, these things are not of concern to Allah Ta'ala. He doesn't look at our outward. But Allah Ta'ala is interested in what's within our hearts. This is from hadith. He doesn't care. Our skin color doesn't matter. Our background, our nationality, our income level. These things are irrelevant. But he is concerned with what's within our hearts and what we're going to present to him, uh, to him on the Day of Judgment in terms of our hearts. Um, and, and in fact, you know, there's many places in the Quran where Allah Ta'ala says, for instance, that a day will come in which case, you know, our families and our wealth won't be of benefit. But what is going to be relevant on that day? You know, of all the things that are going to be, most things are irrelevant. But the one thing that's going to be relevant on that day is if we present to Allah Ta'ala a sound heart. In another place, a devoted heart. So our hearts are going to be presented to Allah Ta'ala and there's no denying this. This is from Quran. So what's the state of our heart when we have to present to Allah? Now imagine if we said, you have one week to meet Allah. What kind of heart are you going to present to Allah? What kind of heart am I going to present to Allah? What, what sort of effort would you put? So he says, if you want the science of the states of the heart, look at the revival, meaning the Ihya Adumuddin and other works of mine. This science is an individual obligation, while others are a collective obligation, um, except the amount needed for obligations to Allah the Exalted to be performed. Now what he's mentioning here is that the science of, of personal development, let's call it that, without using any fancy terms, the science of personal development, that's a, a fard al-ayn. It's a requirement upon every human being because every human being has their own heart that has to be presented to Allah. My heart is not going to be determined by what, what's going on in your heart, in your heart, in your heart. Right? It's, that, that doesn't matter. I have to present my own heart to Allah Ta'ala and the work that I put into my heart is what's going to be presented. And if I neglect my heart and allow tarnish and rust to form over it, then that's exactly what's going to be presented before Allah. Um, whereas other sciences of deen are, 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 are our responsibility, for instance, the basics of certain you know, acts of worship and certain interactions and dealings with people. And for instance, if I have finances, then I need to know how to deal with it and how much money I have to give in zakat and sadaqah, etc. But some of the more detailed, advanced things, those are the responsibility, but that's the responsibility upon the greater community, not a responsibility just on myself. So he's saying that it's important that we study the sciences of the heart because these are directly related to our salvation on the day of judgment, and there's no getting around that. There's, you know, there's a possibility, you know, it's, it's unlikely, you know, that Allah Taala will ask us about the details, for instance, about, you know, how much. Uh, I, I don't want to go into details, but let's say it's a very complicated fiqhi masala. It's necessary. The scholars need to know it, and there needs to be an opportunity for us to access it. But it's certainly plausible and it's going to happen that Allah Ta'ala will ask us to present our hearts in the states that are within our hearts in the Day of Judgment. And it'll be scanned and it'll be looked at in detail. And it'll be, you know, what hadith the Prophet said, that a person that even has an atom's weight of arrogance in their heart will have to spend time in Jahannam for just an atom's weight of arrogance. So it really makes us think. So he says, again, the science is an individual obligation while others are a collective obligation, except the amount needed. So he's not negating the need for basic knowledge. It's absolutely essential and necessary, and we're not going to um, at all uh, belittle it. Um, but what he's saying is that, uh, especially in that time, and really even in this time, the science of, of personal development is, has fallen by the wayside, and he's trying to revive it, and, and may Allah Ta'ala allow us to revive this in our lives. So he says, and um, 
he it is who will grant you success in acquiring it. Meaning, ultimately, if we are working on ourselves, the tawfiq from this, that the, our only ability to acquire this rectification in the state of a purified heart is going to happen only from the tawfiq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, um, this is the final point, the fourth point. He says, the fourth, yeah, so, oh, sorry, let me go back and to that one part here. He says, if you want the science of the states of the heart, look at the Ihya and other works of mine. He, so he's referencing, just like I had mentioned earlier, that in the Ihya Alum Medina, or if you want a summarized version of it, and I would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage uh, that you get a copy of either the book or listen to the audio or some other form of the states of the heart that he mentions in, for instance, the 40 principles of deen. Um, it's, it's just, a, it really just opens, um, uh, op opens up an ocean in regards to just one's personal states. So he's referencing it, and I am referencing it as well for all of us. The fourth, <clears throat> excuse me, the fourth point that he mentioned. So the first one was that if we want to know what our relationship is with Allah, then we should imagine if we had a servant or we have, we've, we have an expectation of someone, for instance, a child, we expect to you know, serve us and, and, for instance, obey us and listen to us. And they don't listen to us, right? Put ourselves in those shoes and how would we feel? So he says that if a person truly wants to become a true servant of Allah Ta'ala, imagine that. Number two is be very careful of how you deal with people, meaning that you should love for others what you love for yourself. This is a second piece of advice. The third, he says is that study knowledge is beneficial to the heart in particular. The fourth is that you should not stock up more. I'm just going to read this because this is a long discussion and it's a bit um, uh, well, a bit unrelated, but I'm going to read it. The fourth is that you should not stock up. So he starts talking about savings and how much a person should save. The fourth is that you should not stock up more than the world's produce that is, uh, that is adequate for one year, meaning make savings for one year. As the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi used to arrange this for one of his wives, saying, Oh Allah, make the sustenance of Muhammad's family enough. And he used not to arrange this for all his wives, but he used to arrange it for the one in whose heart he knew was a weakness. As for whoever of his wives was confident, he used not to arrange more than uh, one or half a day's sustenance for her. So this is a lengthy discussion about savings and things like that, and uh, we can talk about that, inshallah, at a different time. So um, I, that's uh, that's the fourth point that he had mentioned, is to be careful about how much you're saving and your tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to, um, uh, to inculcate these things within our lives. May Allah ta'ala allow us to have a deep concern for the people around us uh, and care about them more than we even care about ourselves. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to learn about the sciences of the heart and allow us to rectify ourselves in accordance with the teachings of the Prophet ﷺ and our mashayikh and our ulama.